everybody! Well, welcome to episode two of Bottle Blondes, the unstuffy wine podcast for funny people. For funny people. This week we are going to be focusing on Chardonnay, aka, and this, uh, I give credit to Hallie, the Maroon 5 <laughs> of wine. It's everywhere, it's always on the radio, it's always on the menu. And there's some songs you're like... Yeah, I could maybe get into this. And, and then, then there's some that you're like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> my ears feel like they need to be removed from my head. Yeah, if, yeah. Adam Levine is the living walking Chardonnay grape. <laughs> He's pretty, but you still don't like him. For some reason. For some reason. But you can't figure it out why, but your mom loves him. Oh my god, moms love Adam Levine. <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah, after last episode, um, after having so much fun with Sauvignon Blanc, we decided to challenge ourselves and learn a bit about the Chardonnay grape, which is, fun fact, the most widely planted grape in the entire world. It is literally the most popular wine, the most widely produced wine, and yeah, so we decided you can't really ignore it. You gotta learn a bit more about it. And I had, I have to say, a blast researching about this wine. I did as well. There's such an interesting um, history, not only about the grape, but of its uh, kind of surge in popularity and then the kind of uh, backlash that happened about it. So um, a little bit of just initial background on Yay, this grape. History. Yeah. History is that it was uh, born, you know, its origin story, <clears throat> superhero language, its origin story is in France. Uh, Back in the golden era of comics. <laughs> surprise, surprise, another French origin wine. Um, Actually, I guess this would be silver era if you're talking about the 70s. Continue. Uh, so yeah, typical uh, wine regions uh, in France for this are going to be Burgundy, Chablis, um, obviously Champagne, Loire Valley, uh, and then eventually made its uh, way to other countries. Uh, and the other country that we're going to be focusing on mostly for this episode is probably going to be the the U of A. That's Ooh. that's that's code for United States of America for you for you people out there that don't know. It kind of uh, came to America. I want to say around the late '40s, early '50s, uh, but. The thing that really kind of surged, it didn't really get, gain traction here in the States uh, until the late 70s in something called the Judgment of Paris. The Judgment of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> that was my 80s, something's about to go wrong in a movie. Action movie noise. I, <laughs> wish, <laughs> I wish I knew more about like, contemporary French history because then I'd throw some fun things out there. <laughs> I don't know. The Little Prince. Yeah, there's, there's something. There's something. <laughs> Um, so in the 76, a guy named Stephen Spurrier, who's a British uh, wine merchant living in Paris, um, who essentially only stocked French wines, was kind of a, a big wine snob, and he found out through a colleague that, you know, California was also producing uh, quality Chardonnays and, and red wines. And he was like, pish posh, I'm going to go there myself, and I'm going to find out what all this... Stupid fusses. <laughs> yeah, so he uh, he came to California, specifically Napa Valley, and I think maybe Sonoma, Mendocino. But it, it was Napa that he was the most interested in and heard of. And he took wines back to Paris, and it was there that t t on a, during a blind taste test with mostly French judges that the uh, Calif California Chardonnay won. Uh, it was wow. from Chateau Montalena, which is in Napa Valley. Um, there's actually a pretty fun movie about this, uh, loosely based on this, called Bottle Shock from 2008, uh, starring Alan Rickman, Chris Pine, uh, and Bill Pullman, which is... That a, is a beautiful, beautiful cast. 
Yeah, you know what? It's oh, it also has uh, Freddy Rodriguez in it, who he was in Six Feet Under, and he's he's a tertiary character in most <laughs> movies, which is unfortunate because he's a really talented actor. But I digress. Um, so yeah, the red also the red wine also won from California. So it was a big shock to not only France but to, to the United States, uh, who didn't really realize that they had their own. Amazing wine, just USA, <laughs> USA, USA. Give me Budweiser. <laughs> uh, so I was out about that time. That was the late seventies. Um, people just started asking for Chardonnay whenever they went. It was easy to say. It was ex- an accessible palate for a lot of uh, noobs entering uh, drinking wine. It was also the height of. Um, you know, white yuppieism. Yeah, excess <laughs> and Reaganism and into the Bush years. It was when people were getting a lot richer and they were starting to invest in wine and order more wine. And um, Chardonnay just kind of had, or at least specifically Napa Valley Chardonnays, had those big round flavors that kind of held up more to um, cocktails and spirits that people were used to drinking. So it was really, really accessible and it got really, really popular in the 80s and in the 90s and then burnout time. Yep. (laughs) In the early 2000s, people really started to get pretty smug about uh, Chardonnay and the wine term developed ABC, which is anything but Chardonnay. And honestly, I started out as an ABCer. I think a lot of people do in our early 20s when we're like, oh God, Grandma Chardonnay. No, <laughs> not again. It's like a Werther's original was marinating in this thing. Ew! <laughs> Just put a Werther's in my shard, honey. <laughs> yeah. I found this really great article by Michael Austin from the Chicago Tribune. Um, he says that people were really getting into it, quote-unquote, during the Bridget Jones generation. Mm-hmm. And um, you can hate coffee, oysters, or cold play, but if you have even the slightest interest in wine, you cannot hate Chardonnay. Um, and that kind of goes back to it's the w- most widely planted grape. It's a winemaker's grape, which means that the winemaker is going to have a lot of influence over the way it tastes. Um, you're not really going to necessarily be able to taste Chardonnay to Chardonnay to Chardonnay and say, oh, it has this really clear through line and really clear flavor profile because it's going to take on a lot of those winemaking techniques um, depending on where it's made and by whom it's made. Exactly. So it's fermented, uh, you know, two different ways. Uh, one of them being a stainless steel or tank fermentation, which is uh, unoaked, which is going to result in the wine being more crisp, acidic, uh, more of those tropical flavors are going to come through. And this is actually a, a more cheaper, sustainable way to actually make Chardonnay because you're not uh, taxing the environment with making the oak barrels. Yay, earth. Yay, earth. Um, and it's it's just easier. It's easier for the winemakers. Uh, they can focus more, you know, rather than the fermentation adding flavors later on they can focus more on the initial phase of the winemaking which is you know the, the soil the grape yeah and yeah the the terrier which is something uh we're gonna be discussing a little bit later mm-hmm. in wine terms of the week so actually there is a third kind of wacky way that i think some smaller winemakers are starting to make chardonnays which is in concrete oh yeah i was reading a little bit about yeah, that yeah and they get like this weird concrete egg and they put it in like there. a burial pod yeah, like a burial <laughs> I'm from the future, I know these things. Uh, secret fun fact, Hallie Zimmercheck is actually from far, far in the future. We don't know exactly how old she is, but we do know that she is full of wisdom. I am, I am. Yes, the year, the year 3036. 
But don't tell the FBI they're looking for me. <laughs> Shh. Shh. Secret Hey, uh, remember us? We have a fun duo named Secret Cervix for improv. Yeah, uh, we're both uh, comedic improvisers in the Portland, Oregon area, and so you're going to hear us uh, tell a lot of fun jokes. <laughs> yeah. You're going to hear <laughs> some real zingers. Yeah, you're going to hear all the comedy from us. <laughs> but seriously, we love comedy. We hope to imbue this podcast with lots of it because... Hot injection of it. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Everything just needs a hot injection of comedy. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Oh boy. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk. Well, more about oak. Yeah, more about oak. Uh, we just discussed stainless steel fermentation. And uh, the new, slightly underdog way of um, concrete fermentation. But oak. Oak is what we commonly associate with Chardonnay. There's two kinds of oak. There is new oak, which is used both for Chardonnay um, and other types of grapes, wine in general, but it's also used for whiskey. That's how you make bourbon. It's a brand new oak barrel. So it imparts a lot of vanilla and spicier notes. It also adds to that creamy texture because Chardonnay is a really high acid grape and is so um, traditionally winemakers like to soften it up for um, for the palate, basically. Yeah, and they also do that through the use of malolactic fermentation, fermentation. Uh, which essentially is changing the acid profile uh, during fermentation where you're going to get more oily, kind of uh, waxy uh, butteriness happen- happening. So, <clears throat> And then there's also neutral oak, which I was, at first, when researching this, I was like, what the hell is neutral oak? Right? It sounds like an oxymoron, or it sounds like, as you pointed out before, an emo band from the early 2000s. Yeah, neutral oak uh, kind of sounds like Connor, Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, let's, uh, I think it's time to maybe jump into, um, our, our chosen countries of the week. Mm -hmm. Uh, as if you listened to us uh, last time on our first podcast and what we're going to be doing every week is we're each going to choose a a region country to kind of highlight and talk about. And then we're also going to blind taste test each other with, I don't know, maybe the same country, maybe a different country, Mm -hmm. just so we can kind of pick out the differences because that's. You know, it's a really good way to learn about wine is to compare and to contrast and um, figure out how different regions do it differently. Exactly. So, so let's start with good old America, America. shall we? Yeah. <laughs> what what uh, what state we got there, Adrian? Um. So I I kind of really I didn't pick a state. I kind of just picked the West Coast in general. Mm. Um. Because Napa Valley and because California is so synonymous with Chardonnay, um, I just decided to focus on the West Coast. So. Um, actually, this isn't from California. This is from Oregon, um, very near where we live. This is from the Willamette Valley, and it is a wine uh, label called Loop de Loop, a wine producer called Loop de Loop, um, made by a woman named Julia Bailey, who is very, very sweet. I met her in New Seasons once while she was doing a tasting. Um, she started her winery in 2012. This is a 2017 Chardonnay. 
It is uh, no new oak and neutral yeast. No, not neutral yeast. Native yeast. I don't know what that means. Yeast of the land. Yeast of the land, yes. <laughs> For intensive purposes right now. I yeast guess it just means that it, she's not introducing yeast from somewhere else. I guess I'll have to look that up um, I think on. I think it just means of, of the environment that you're at. Because, you know, with beer, you know, you experiment with different yeasts from, like, you're like, I got this yeast from, like, a cow pasture in South Dakota. And now I'm making a beer called Cow IPA. Like, you know, you're... <laughs> so my guess is it means, you know, it's from Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, the other fun thing about this wine is um, it has a really nice profile that's probably a little bit more commonly attributed to French Chardonnays, uh, especially the Willamette Valley and um, more Oregon wines tend to be similar to the region of Burgundy, which is going to be cooler climate. Um, Pinots grow really well there. Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, things like that. Um, very, very high acid wines do well there. So yeah, let's give this loop de loop a shot. It's, um, it's really beautiful. Um, so it has this really nice pale golden color. Um, which I feel like you can just attribute with the fact that it's a newer wine, that it's a 2017. I also really like knowing the crepe type ahead of time. I know that this is a full-bodied wine. Um, it is... The acid is so balanced, though, you know? It's, yes. it's some, some wines just, like, attack your tongue right away with the acid and then mellow out. Mm -hmm. This is, does kind of the opposite of that. It's like... It settles onto your tongue. The like, texture is really soft. Yeah, like like caramel melting over a brownie. Ooh, that's a sensual image. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down um, soft and cottony, like a favorite pair of pajamas. Ooh, pajama wine. Mm, I like pajama it. wine. Mm -hmm. um, I get smells of blossom, lemon, and some toasted seeds, like a toasted sunflower seed. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Orange blossom is what is specifically what came to mind when I first mm -hmm. smelled and tasted this. It's just so pretty. Yeah, it's really, this is a wine, like, Chardonnay is, is really meant to be, it's a it's a very food-friendly wine. In yeah. fact, probably recommended that you pair a Chardonnay with something to eat, but I think this is a good wine that you could even enjoy just without food. I could enjoy this on a porch in the sun, wearing a straw hat. I feel like I could enjoy this on a porch at the coast with like a, like a maybe like a 65 degree day with like a, like a slight breeze. Ooh, yeah. Like yeah. Slightly overcast, but like not like assholey overcast like it is <laughs> most of the time here. Not butthole overcast. <laughs> yeah. Just like the sun's peeking out, but he's just like, he's still a little sleepy. So he's just like, mm, I'm just going to hide a little bit behind these clouds today. Really my favorite weather. Yeah, just described. Slightly overcast and 65. Uh, my fun fact, my uncle refers to the Oregon coast as the BOC. What does that mean? Beautiful Oregon coast. Aww. Not to be confused with BOC, Bountiful Orange County. Oh. Or, just kidding, I don't know what that means. Or BOC, um, butts or cunts. <laughs> butts or cunts is a... <laughs> Factor, it's a, it's a it's a sex club in Portland, and it's it's it, every single Tuesday they meet to discuss the preferred uh, sexual pleasure, whether it be butts or cunts. <laughs> it, hey, it swings back and forth a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um. <laughs> uh, BOC could also refer to beautiful old cathedrals. I could. Yeah, which is a club that meets also on Tuesdays in it Portland. It really does. Um, sometimes the members have. 
you know, there's members for both clubs, and they have to pick which one they want to go to. So I want to go to Butzer Concert, Beautiful Old Cathedrals. It's Tuesday nights are really, uh, they're really busy. They're really busy in Portland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Under my tasting notes, I wrote down um, almond, granite, Asian pear, and yellow apple, and I feel like there's also just a little bit of cereal in here. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, like a honey nut Cheerio, but like not super sweet. Um, I'm also taking taking in a little hint of rhubarb here, mm. uh, which is uh, one that we often forget about to mention in our tasty notes, uh, but is a very popular, I believe, uh, I don't know, vegetable that is used in sweet pies. I always think of it. I mean, it's like the same shape as celery, but it's like leafier. And you can't eat the leaves. But you don't eat the leaves. What do you do with rhubarb leaves? Are they poisonous? They're poisonous, I think. (gasps) So it's like, yeah, you have to prepare rhubarb a very specific way. It's like blowfish. Rhubarb is like the blowfish. Rhubarb is the blowfish (laughs) of the plant world. Yeah. So that's probably not true. There's way more poisonous things like mushrooms, right? (laughs) Poisonous mushrooms. I just really like that comparison, though. We're going to stick with it. Um, Yeah, this is really, really beautiful. Um... And if you're into supporting local winemakers, please seek out Loop de Loop. Um, yeah, I really want to go. I want to go find her winery and go taste there. Well, let's do it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so it's my turn, and, and uh, I've chosen South Africa, uh, which is a very popular uh, region, actually, with a lot of um, whites. Surprisingly, Chardonnay, Savignon Blanc. Uh, this is a Dewey Donnay 2006 unwooded Chardonnay, which means this was uh, fermented in a stainless steel tank. It is from the Francochoke Valley, uh, which is in the southwestern part of the country. Uh, it's actually, for this Francochoke Valley, is just above the uh, Stellenbosch Valley, which is the most popular uh, in New, uh, not New Zealand, in South Africa. So this, the Stellenbosch Valley is essentially like, you know, Napa, California c- comparison. Um, so this is an area that has a very, very old topsoil. This is 600 million year old Holy area, crap. which is three times older than the soils in Napa Valley. So to give wow. you a taste of how old this earth is and the area, which is very granite, sandstone, uh, intense, sandstone. Yeah, yeah. intense minerality uh, coming from a lot of these wines. Uh, so, so that's some like dinosaur wine. This is this is dinosaur wine, <laughs> uh, and it's also it's, so it's kept on lees for six months, six months, and we're going to talk about that in a second as well, uh, and results in a creamy, smooth finish wine with fresh citrus undertones. Um, so let's let's give, give it a wee taste. Give it a wee taste. Uh, fun fact about this winemaker, Stefan de Twat. Yep, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but T O I T sounds like twat to me. Twat goes to the B O C. Beautiful cathedrals. Yeah, beautiful cathedrals. <laughs> God, he, yeah, he's not a member of Butter Guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he is actually a Cape wine master, which is essentially the most sought-after formal qualification a South African winemaker can have. So he's very experienced. Um, that's very cool. Yeah, and I noticed that there's like a little sticker on, I don't know if this refers to that, there's a sticker, sticker on the label that says Integrity and Sustainability from the Wine and Spirit Board of South Africa. Yeah, so it's pretty, they take themselves pretty, what I was, what I was gathering from my research of South Africa is they take themselves very seriously. Um, it's beautiful out there. It's very, um, this particular vineyard is located on a southwest-facing 
southwestern facing slope of a mountain, which is great for keep locking in that cold morning air uh, in the mornings. So, uh, you know, just look, this wine is a little bit um, darker in color than the one we just tasted. I can already tell based off of what we know about this area and this winemaker is that this is going to be not a very fruit forward wine at all. It's going to be uh, very minerally and um, let's <clears throat> give it a shot. Ooh, this is a, this is a pretty aggressive. Mmm, very tart. Um, like I'm already kind of puckering a bit. Very, a lot of citrus. Yeah. Um, green apple. Yeah, green Ooh. apple and lemon for sure. It's, yeah, it's very... And very mineral. Very it. mineral. You know, um, this doesn't really have a softness to it, which mm -hmm. is unfortunate. So I'm actually getting more Pinot, like bad Pinot Gris vibes from this wine. Ooh, bad Pinot Gris vibes. It's just, it's like acidic to the point where it's like I just ate a bunch of Sour Patch Kids and it's not, I kind of want to like it more, um, but it's a, it's a little aggressive. I feel like it needs some, like, goat cheese or something to balance it out. Like, I, I don't think that this is a very great wine to just drink on its own. I don't... You're... I'm kind of getting palate fatigue after already, like, taking just a couple sips. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about this wine. Do I... Do we means a, a gift from God. So, I don't know if... <clears throat> if this is quite the gift from God I was hoping it would be. But... Yeah, I, I just, I feel like I've been sucking on a Sour Patch Kid. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. And that's, a, and that's a stainless steel. So that's what you're going to get more when you mm -hmm. when you have these unoaked Chardonnays. You're going to get more acid for sure, but maybe not... Star fruit. Like an unripe star fruit. Yeah, or like biting into a unripe pear. Oh yeah, with that like awful granular texture. Yeah, where you're like, oh, this is totally ripe. And I just got this Harry and David box. Yay. Oh, yay. Actually, you know what? Harry and David pears are always ripe. I mm. take that back. I'm sorry, Harry and David. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Harry and David. From uh, Oregon, actually. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, we are going to move on next to some fun wine terms and then do our blind taste test. But uh, for that... Uh, I think we're going to grab some snacks. Yeah, let's grab some snacks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so before we do our um, blind taste test wines, I wanted to talk about our wine term of the week. Um, and I actually just, I chose two wine terms of the week because they're so, uh, I think they factor a lot in, into Chardonnay. Um, one of them being what I talked about earlier uh, when this South African wine is aged six months on the lees. So lees, L-E-E-S, are deposits of dead yeast or residual yeast after fermentation uh, and after the wine is transferred uh, for racking. So, but some wines are left on the lees longer. Uh, Chardonnay is one of them. And then a Muscadet also mm. is left on the lees a long time to impart more um, nutty and toasty flavors which yeast naturally imparts, you know, bread, bread, all that type of stuff. So bread and uh, beer and all those delicious yeasty things. Uh, and some, and this is really interesting. Some winemakers will um, mix, you know, give mm -hmm. the lees a little agitation, uh -huh. so it kind of remixes in with the wine. And some of them won't. They'll just leave it as like a flat, a flat layer, and then skim, and then skim it off. So there's a lot of different uh, methods you can use uh, to impart that yeasty flavor. So I found that really interesting. Um, and the other one I want to talk about is uh, terrier. 
Um, T-E-R-R-I-O-R. So, so hard to pronounce. So what this word essentially is, is it encompasses, um, it, it's like the collective bunch of things that help dictate the flavor profile of the wine. So that's climate, soil, tradition, and terrain. It's kind of like the act of God. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, climate, you're either looking at warm or cool. Uh, soil, there's up to five or six uh, different soil types that you can be talking about. I did not write those down, though. <laughs> we'll figure um, it out. Another one being terrain. Uh, terrain being, like, altitude. You know, mm. some grapes are grown in the valley, uh, which we experience a lot here in Oregon. And then we have grapes that are grown at much higher altitudes, which you're going to see in a lot of um, uh, South American wines, like Chile, Argentina. They're grown at higher altitudes. Cool. Um, and then the other one being um, tradition. So you know, certain winemakers. We learned about a winemaker recently that does all of uh, the to tilling of the soil mm -hmm. with a pulled uh, horse cart, you know, oh, rather yeah. than using uh, like a machine. A tradition might be having more stems uh, in the grapes. So just that stuff that's kind of like passed down from generation to generation that never changes. Something that's also been really popular in winemaking recently or that's been picking up speed is uh, biodynamic wines, which is kind of like a type of organic farming with the wine where um, they'll use more traditional winemaking techniques um, that exactly like don't use a lot of machinery. They'll put additives in the soil. They'll follow kind of like the lunar calendar or the almanac or whatever in order to make their judgment about like when to pick and things like that. And it actually can make a really big effect on the wine in terms of taste and bringing out a lot of flavors. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't, this very, very basic high level of biodynamic wine. I, I need to learn more about it, but it is kind of a cool fad. Um, all right. <clears throat> so let's get into the blind taste test of Chardonnay. Haunted house noises. classic Halloween. Um, Alright, I guess I'll go first yeah, since mine's up here. So Adrian, close your eyes. Eyes are closed. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Alright. You can open now. Mm. Light. Light. Light color. Kind of similar in color to that South African wine that we just had. Um, a little bit yellow, but it's still fairly pale. Oh man! So when you drink it too, the um, those those tropical fruits are really, really present. Um, mm -hmm. Passion fruit, star fruit, um, pineapple, papaya—all of that fun stuff is right there. Wow! I almost feel like this one um, is it might benefit a little bit from getting some air. This wine uh, had a cork. Um, mm -hmm. Most, a lot of wines are kind of going more towards uh, screw tops, which yeah. is great uh, when you're, you great know, going... environment. Yeah. Also great when you're, like, picnicking or camping and you're like, oh, shit, I forgot a corkscrew. Oh, God, we've all been there. Yeah. But I feel like the cork, and I would love to maybe uh, devote more to this another time, but I would be interested in doing some research on the difference between corking and screw cap and if there really is a difference in um, containing, like, oxygen and mm. whatnot. So... Another time, but um, Adrian, do you have any guesses as to what this might be? Um, I'm gonna guess warmer climate. I really should have read basically all the places where Chardonnay is grown because I feel like it's a bajillion. It is. 
Okay, let's take some stabs in the dark here. <laughs> well, first off, do you think this is oat or tank fermentation? I think this is tank fermentation. It has a lot of um, it has a lot of acidity, and it's kind of more mineral forward. It doesn't have that creamy texture of a Chardonnay, even though it is kind of a big-bodied one. So um, let's take that out. But that also doesn't really point to the origin of the or the region of origin, sadly. Because <laughs> anybody anybody can do steel versus oak. Although I guess that might rule out like more traditional places like France. So I'm going to uh, lean just a little bit on my wine folly book in terms of countries. Um, you know what? Let's say, I'm going to say Australia. Mm. I'm going to say Australia because it has that, that pineapple and yellow apple. Um, maybe South Australia. I feel like this is probably 2016. And yeah, stainless steel fermentation. Okay. Let's see how close I got. Uh, you were right on a couple things. Great! Uh, this is a 2016. Cool! It is a stainless steel fermentation. Yay! It does come from a warmer climate. Okay. However, this actually is a French wine. What? This is from the Macon Villages, which is in Bourgogne, uh, which is southern Burgundy. Uh, and what's really interesting about this is that these, in the Macon villages, is comprised of 26 villages that are specifically designed for Chardonnay production. Um, and within these 26 villages are about 800 families. So we're actually sourcing grapes from a lot of different people, huh. but in an, a certain like area region, which is really interesting. Uh, something interesting. on the label here says, um, <clears throat> here comes here comes Hallie's French. Nous sommes 800 familles de Vignaron, une pour mettre une valeur notre flavor faire en partie de notre art de vivre. Which oh, means... I feel like I was just in a different country. You were in the Mekon villages. Uh, it essentially means these 800 families are... You know, badass at making wine. I don't know. I did the I did the Google translation earlier, but I didn't write it down. Um, Eight hundred badass <laughs> families unite one beautiful wine. Yeah, pretty much. So as you can see here on the label, uh, Burgundy, uh, and this is actually a, because it is sourced from so many people in a very popular Chardonnay growing region. This is actually a pretty um, popular, easy to get wine. I actually got this one at Trader Joe's. I talked to their Trader Joe's has a wine guy oh, cool. or a wine lady. And I asked specifically, I was like, I'm looking for unoaked because that was my kind of focus this week was unoaked. Adrian had oaks, if you couldn't tell already. So this is what I this is what I came up with. And I, I don't it's tasty. It's um, very approachable. But I do um, want to see it open up. Yeah, I've been eating it with food basically this whole time. And it's really good with food. Um, it kind of has the more of that acidity like we tasted in the in the South African one. And I'm just going to taste just a hair more. Oh, yeah. Um, but as I was snacking on some cheese and some popcorn and stuff, um, it went really nicely with those things. Yeah. This is, a, this is like your everyday kind of bust out with a nice mm -hmm. meal. I wouldn't call this a special occasion. No, one, definitely not. But still, I mean... I it's like a it. really cool origin story. Yeah, and I, and I like it more than the super Kate Masters wine from South Africa. Yeah. So, I mean, really just depends on 
you know, soil and, mm -hmm. you know, or if you're just going to be sourcing from salt of the earth people, or are you going to be getting wine from a guy that went to school for like 26 years for it? It's very interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let me bust mine out then. <clears throat> Close your eyes. Closing my eyes and eating popcorn at the same time. Don't miss your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot with popcorn. So this is kind of gross, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Do it. So when I go to the movies, I like flavoring the shit out of my popcorn, like nutritional yeast, Parmesan Love cheese. nutritional like, yeast. So, Yum. But here's the problem with loving flavored popcorn and having tits, <laughs> is that <laughs> that shit is going to go down the front, <laughs> into your cleavage. All over. All over. And then you're going to get home later and you're going to be like, why do my tits stink? <laughs> it's because... You it's because you love popcorn, <laughs> and you, because you miss your mouth a lot. So this, All right, so wow. this wine. This wine is yellow. Yeah. This is very yellow. golden. This is a very golden wine. I can already tell that just by looking at this color without even smelling it that mm -hmm. this is an oaked. Yep. 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 There's those oaky flavors. This is an oak Chardonnay. Uh, I want to say like toasted brown butter, not like... Yeah, I'm really just catching a lot of classic uh, oak chardonnay hints here. So vanilla, um, custard. Yeah, hazelnuts. Yeah, nuts. But not so overwhelming. Um, yeah, I kind of got like so something that I wrote down that was a little bit outside of that of that family of aromas was cooked squash. Oh yeah, like a butternut squash or something. Kind of that toasty nuttiness, but just a little bit fresh still. This one's got a lot of legs, high alcohol content. Uh, a little bit of tobacco on this one as well. I'm not looking. I'm guessing the alcohol content oh, yeah. on this one is probably like 14, 13.5. Yeah, you're uh, you're getting there. This is a wow, 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 wow. <laughs> this wine. This wine. This is my Christopher Walken. Yeah, please, please don't. Please continue doing this as a Christopher Walken. This wine. 2015. A little later for a shard, I would drink it in a chair of velvet and origin. Because it, it's coating my tongue quite like a velvet robe would coat my body after a shower. I'm gonna say this is California. Napa Valley. Yep, that's it. <laughs> 2015 uh, California Chardonnay Napa Valley. So, uh, really, really close on a lot of things. Well, first of all, this wasn't part of the gesture, but um, it is a higher alcohol content wine. It's 13.5, uh, so you were right on the nose there. Um, it is from California. It's not from the Napa Valley. It's uh, from the Monterey County. Ooh. Um, and it is a 2016. Mm. So, I mean, close. 2015, 2016, you know, it's a potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the, my favorite thing to say. <laughs> um, and it is... Francis 
Coppola what? Diamond Collection. Wow. Yes, you guys have probably seen Mr. Frickly. Mr. Coppola's films. Yes. He's Coppola, I guess. Coppola. He's actually also super big into wine. Mm -hmm. And then um, his also filmmaking uh, daughter? Yeah, Sophia. Sophia. Sophia also does, has experimented. Sophia has released a uh, yeah, sparkling right. wine in a can. Oh yeah, which is is pretty lovely as it's well. It's actually pretty good. Um, so the the Francis Coppola um, wines. Well, basically Francis Coppola has a whole lifestyle brand that he has a bunch of different products under. The most common that uh, he makes a lot of different wines in a lot of different areas, but mostly in California, Napa Valley, and Monterey County, um, and. This wine, this Francis Coppola Diamond Collection 2016 gold, gold label, label Chardonnay, yeah. actually got 90 or 91 points in Wine Spectator. So, like, it's, I, you know, it may be a bigger wine distributor, but um, it's pretty well made and it's pretty highly regarded. And honestly, for a really big oak bomb, I don't hate this. Yeah. It's actually kind of nice. Uh, in my notes are, yeah, I wrote down heavier, creamier, vanilla, caramel, pie crust, um, pear, mm. that, but like, you know, those really, like a Bosque pear, like the dark brown ones that are really, really, um, sugary, kind of. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little salted caramel, which is kind of strange, Ooh, yeah. but you know, I think that actually is a completely different profile from yeah. regular caramel, so, you say caramel or caramel? I say caramel. Yeah. Who says I don't know, weird people? Weirdo. Are you a caramel person? Are you a caramel person? Excuse me, before I go on this date, ma'am, I need to know if you're a caramel person or a caramel person. I don't know, are you milk or milk? Milk! Milk! <laughs> what if I said everything normal, but then when I said milk, I just said milk! <laughs> No, I would say don't get a my friend. I'd say don't get a job as a barista. Be a thing you'd have to ask. I was steamed milk. <laughs> That's my favorite game to play with my friends. I say, would, would you still be my friend if I walked like this? And then mm -hmm. I do a really ridiculous walk. <laughs> so yeah, this yeah. is um, a bit outside of my wheelhouse. I don't think I'd go for it traditionally, but if I saw it and um, I was looking to pair something with a bit of heavier food. I would say, yeah, let's go for it. I wouldn't drink this on its own, really. No. It is a nicer food bomb. Uh, all right, I think it's time to do our uh, ranking Ooh. and then choose a wine to play seven things with. Ooh. 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 I'm going to say that my favorite wine was probably the Loop de Loop out of Washington. <clears throat> Thought that was uh, pretty tasty. And then I'm gonna probably after that go with uh, the Macon Village's uh, French wine. And then I'm gonna go with the Francis Coppola and then I'm gonna rank our South African wine fourth. Yeah, I'm pretty similar. I'd swap the, I'd say the, the Coppola I'd do second, but the Loop de Loop was a clear winner. So beautiful and so, so pretty. So pretty in the mouth. So pretty in the mouth. <laughs> That's um, a compliment you probably don't want to give your first date. You're so pretty in the mouth. So pretty. <laughs> uh, and then I do this Francis Coppola one next, just because it uh, was a bit more distinct for me than the French one. But the French one was really delicious, so third. And then, yeah, that South African one, maybe just not my thing. Yeah, you I know? mean, it's, but now that we've had a wine from South Africa, 
you know, I want to challenge myself to maybe find one from South Africa that I do like. Maybe it is a regional thing. Maybe I'm going to like something more from their more popular region. Honestly, where the, you know, I've had some really good reds from South Africa. Um, that was probably one of the first whites that I've tried from there. I'm going to have a little bit more of my number two, which I think I'm going to do my seven things with that. <gasps> okay. <clears throat> Hallie. Yes, Adrian. Seven things you do while drinking this Laison de Bourgogne Macon Villages Chardonnay 2016. I think I would like definitely go out onto the porch with a book with the intention of like reading that book in the sun, but then it's like too bright, so I just use that book to shield my eyes Why? from the sun. <laughs> um, I think I just want to like pour out some like honey bunches of oats with some like oat milk swirl it around and just like drink it for breakfast like have like cereal and wine for breakfast do <laughs> I want to have like a really difficult conversation with my mother <laughs> you know one where you're like oh the things I'm telling her like she's not listening to but I gotta like drink this wine while I'm talking to her <laughs> um I just want to go cloud watching you know I want to stare up and be like that looks like a bunny holding a machine gun or that looks you know like a pickle wearing a hat or um I want to go over my 2006 uh, Honda owner's manual so I can find out where the trunk release is in case I ever get kidnapped and thrown in my own trunk five I want to prank call an ex Ooh, six. And, you know, I want to just pet my dog while watching season two of Pete and Pete. Which is something I just got myself for an early birthday present. Seven, 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 seven things. things. <laughs> we harmonized there. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, Adrian, are you going to have the, the cocoa for your seven things? You know what? It's right here. It's right here. It's different. I'm going to do it. Be bold. Be bold. Live, live boldly. <laughs> live like a couple. <laughs> Alright. Okay. Yes. Adrian. Mm. Seven things you would do while drinking this wine. Mm. First thing I would do is I would unpack a box full of really old Halloween costumes and I'd sniff them deeply. <laughs> One! <laughs> Two. Um, I would... I would um, go grocery shopping, but I would limit myself to three things. Oh, two. <laughs> um, you know what I try to do is I would get the idea that I should um, clean the air filter in my vacuum cleaner. Hmm. Three. <laughs> and then I just get really dusty in the process <laughs> and give up and have, take a shower halfway through. <laughs> Done that. Three. Yeah. Um. I would um, start up a video game, and then I would uh, give up halfway through the level. Mm. Four. Yeah. Um, and then next, after that, I think I would um, try to learn how to knit. Five? <laughs> Five! <laughs> I was like, wait, is there more? Is there more? Mm -hmm. um, I, would, I would get a free Ancestry.com account. And, um, 
I'd start to look up my family names, and then I'd realize that uh, I don't want to pay for Ancestry.com, and then I would uh, promptly forget about it, and then six months later, I would unsubscribe to their emails. Six! <laughs> and, um... And then, at, you know what, last but not least, I would probably um, donate some money to a GoFundMe of somebody that I don't know. Wow, seven. But only like $15. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Seven. Seven things. Seven things. <clears throat> okay, guys. We have one more quick tasting to do. Oh, yeah. And that is to kind of showcase typically what people tend to buy mm-hmm. uh, when they're just kind of out, out, out and about. Uh, they're not looking for a super fancy $25 Chardonnay. Uh, these are two wines that I purchased at uh, Trader Joe's. Yay, Trader Joe's. They were both, uh, one of them is $5. Oh, one of them is $6. We're not going to go on as long as we did with the other ones because this is just, just to really show you how prevalent uh, Chardonnay is and the different flavors you're going to get. So what I have here is, um, as I was just talking about, is it is Springwood. Your Trader Joe picks. My Trader Joe picks. Uh, Springwood. 2015 Chardonnay Murray Darling Wine of Australia. And this is the one that you, it's kind of your go-to, right? It's my go-to at Trader Joe's. Um, it's, it's five bucks. So the back of the bottle says north of Melbourne, uh, or Melbourne, sorry, Austria. <laughs> Wait, of- <laughs> do that again. North of Melbourne. <laughs> Trying to say it like the Australians do. East of Adelaide, uh, two of Australia's most prominent rivers meet in the valley which bears their name, the Murray Darling Basin. These two rivers bring life to the dry basin lands and nature of the region's vineyards. Uh, bring you this lush and fruity Chardonnay, a wine just as enticing as the land and rivers which grow from it. So, oh, what a beautiful description. So this, I can tell, is an oaked uh, Chardonnay, but it's not aggressive. Oh, like, there's yeah. a really... This is, like, such a nice, well-balanced Chardonnay. It's, it's like almost like drinking your favorite juice. I don't know. <laughs> this is the juice box of Chardonnay. This is, like, the juice box of Chardonnay. But I mean that in a good way, not like a... Like in it's a gross. nice, nostalgic way. Mm. forgot I still have some of mine. Mmm. That is really nice for... Yeah, for a five... Yeah, it gets smells... It's got this like, oh god, like this is gonna sound gross, but like a plasticky taffy. It does. That you kind of almost get from a riesling. That I like guess a that waxy flavor, yeah. Right. Um, I'm gonna say cantaloupe, more maybe more melony. Yeah. Flavors more on this one. It also kind of has this very nice like olive brine kind of flavor. Yeah, that's the wa- that's from the mallow lactic uh, fermentation. Oh, okay. So yeah. Like a like a thick oil, olive oily, mm-hmm. but not so like not gross in a gross way. No, I would. This is really nice, and I would definitely eat it with some more. Like, I would eat it with a big pile of olives or and cheese or popcorn ball or popcorn ball <laughs> or a big, the biggest popcorn ball you've ever seen in your life. Which is a legit dessert that you can eat other times on Halloween, people. Yeah, this is um, this is really not a very polarizing Chardonnay. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my go-to at Trader Joe's, people. Um, this next one is something that was also uh, at Trader Joe's and kind of caught my eye because it's a 2013 Sonoma County one. And the first thing that caught my eye was Sonoma. I've actually done some wine tasting in Sonoma, and I really loved it. It's a beautiful part. Um, uh, it's not as popular as Napa. I was just going to say, so educate me. Is Sonoma 
warmer or cooler than Napa? I think Sonoma is north. Okay, so I'm, it's cooler. So it's a little cooler, but I'm gonna have, I would have to double check my map on that. Okay. Um, and it's also a 2013, which oh. made me curious because it's as kind we, of a weird vintage. Yeah, yeah, which made I was like 2013, man, that's pretty old mm -hmm. for a Chardonnay, which leads me to my most probably accurate conclusion that maybe this wasn't a good year. Yeah, <laughs> from what I know about um, Northwestern wines is that 2013 was kind of a really funky vintage. Like we got some really cold spells uh, during the summer, so it's not really a great winemaking year. But that being said, sometimes the off vintages produce some really interesting wines. Maybe not necessarily ones that are widely sought after, but ones that have very unique profiles. So um, that sounded really elite. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so the back of this bottle says flavors of tropical fruit, vanilla, supple, oh supple, god I kind of don't know how I feel about that word. I don't know how I like the word supple. Supple is the new moist. Yeah, supple is, <laughs> supple is the new moist right now. Uh, <laughs> with a balanced finish. Um, so I actually bought two bottles of this, one because I wanted to try it beforehand and um, the first thing that came to me was like, whoa is this wine boozy? And when it was bottled, it indicated 3. or 13.5%, <laughs> but I think it's actually probably gone up in alcohol content, yeah. um, which I don't know if that can, uh, yeah, I don't Is know. That a thing? It, it, it. it tastes incredibly alcoholic, and I even, with my first bottle, I let it sit out and get some air. I don't know if it really improved on the quality. I tried to do some research on this vineyard, which is called Trellis, and... I think this might be one of the more commercialized vineyards in like California. Like by St. Michelle or something. Yeah, so I couldn't really, because I was trying to get some more information on the, you know, soil type and yeah. itself. I mean, it's a, it's a great looking bottle, but... Um, it's... It smells buttery, like right off the bat. It smells like, buttery, but it also... Like it almost smells like buttered popcorn. But I'm also getting a little lemongrass. Maybe, I, maybe my, my bottle was weird that I tried last time. Or it was really hot when I drank it, so maybe I just wasn't mm. in the right mindset. Maybe I'll like it more today. Who knows? Sometimes that can happen with wine. But. Mm -mm. I don't like it. <laughs> well, I, and I didn't really like it the first time I tried it either. But I think I like it a little better. I'm not in love with it. I would not get it again, for sure. I would go to my go-to uh, Murray Darling. Yeah, no, that was so much better. Right. This. So. It tastes like oak and then it just falls off. Like, it does not, it does not last. It just kind of falls apart. Um, yeah, uh, vanilla, um, <laughs> it definitely has, like, a candied kind of toffee taste to it, um, which is kind of nice, but it just, there's nothing really to balance it out, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it is. It's unbalanced. That's the right word I yeah. was Yeah. An unbalanced okay. wine. You know what? Five dollars, six dollars, you're gonna get an unbalanced one in the mix. It's fine. <laughs> um, alright, so the one that I have is, um, I don't know how to pronounce them, if it's Chahalem or if it's Chahalem. Oh, Chahalem. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, there was my Judaism coming out. Yeah, I was gonna say that you were a Chahalem. The Ahafa. You were like a 16 year old boy. Chahalem 2016 Unoaked Chardonnay. Ooh, alright, this will be um, nice. So, yeah, so this was made in stainless steel. It's supposed to be more of a crisp summer white. Um, it 80% from the Stoller family vineyards and 20% from Coral Creek 
So it's made in the Willamette Valley. Um, and Stoller is a very big, popular brand out here. And they make some great wine. They, I've had their Chardonnay, and it's very, very good. Um, so this one's definitely a little bit more expensive, more in the $15, $16 range, but not um, an unbelievable price point. And Chahalem, wait, no, Chahalem? Chahalem. Chahalem makes really, really good Pinot Noir as well. Um, so yeah, this is a bit more pale again, a little bit more yellowy than the loop-de-loop. -loop. Oh, I was reading about, so something interesting on this bottle that I was mm -hmm. reading about, but I kind of skipped over. Is it, it says, or uh, yeah, which is like an abbreviation for something that has to, which you'll normally find on an oak uh, tank fermented stainless steel Chardonnays. Oh. There's a couple other acronyms. Enox um, is one of them. Though? But Enox is one of them. We can, yeah, we, we can, can look at it, it out. we'll figure it out. Um, it gives, it has a lot of info back here. It says, um, pairings would be oysters, green salad, pork chops, chicken, or chocolate. I don't know about that. Ooh, you know what? Yeah, this would be really mm, chicken. Yeah. I want protein. Yeah, I want like. Oh, oysters too. I want protein with this. I don't want a pasta. I want protein. Yeah, it's very bright. Um, I really like this. I got honeysuckle. Yeah, I was just gonna say a bit floral, still a bit acidic. I still have that lemon kind of flavor in there. But not overwhelmingly. No. Like I would say this is more of the key lime kind of like. Yeah. Acid's been mellowed out by some other. Like zest. Yeah, more zest. More so than the actual fruit itself. Um, Hallie, I'm going to give you an assignment. Oh, what's my assignment? Um, well, we're both gonna have this assignment. <laughs> oh, okay. I and love it. Um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to say you're gonna have to give one of these wines a personality and a name. Tell me about one of these wines. Mm. Doesn't matter which one. You know, I'm gonna talk about my my, my Murray darling here. Mm. I'm. A seventh grade teacher and this is my favorite student um, because they're like inquisitive and they like, like care. precocious yeah but like when I am teaching I, that's social studies I'm a social studies teacher of course obviously yeah. so when I'm showing them you know maps they're like asking the right questions and like a little hint of flavor, and they're always paying attention. They're paying attention. They're not passing notes. No, oh, yeah, they're taking notes. They're taking notes because I was that person in my social studies class that was definitely passing notes. Fun true story. Me and my good friend Jessica, we both sat in the very front row of social studies class, and our teacher had a very like interesting cadence to his voice. Um, and what we would do when his back was turned. Because I would sit on one side of the classroom and she was on the other. Mm -hmm. We would fucking send notes across the floor. Like... I assume it's a linoleum floor. Yes. Yeah, not a carpet. <laughs> and I think, yeah, Mr. Chavez. Mr. Chavez would be like, Ali, Jessica, are you passing SOS messages to each other? We got caught a lot. Like, we were, <laughs> we were pretty dumb about this. But yeah. This wine is not like Hallie and Jessica. This, this wine is not like Hallie and Jessica. This wine would be judging Hallie and Jessica. It would be judging. It would be like, this is really interesting, guys. Like, we need to know about this. Hence why this wine's name is Claire. Oh. This is a Claire, people. This is a Claire, people. <laughs> Springwood True 2015 Chardonnay, a.k.a. Claire. Uh, Adrian, what about this uh, wine from Shahalem? Shahalem. <laughs> um, 
What's what? What's, what's this? What, tell me about this wine. Mm. Personality and name. You know what? This wine is um. This wine is definitely like a very artsy person that mm. an artsy person that has a corporate job. Mm. So like, like me. Um, so it's somebody that, you know, wears the latest fashion, has really big, like, chunky earrings and necklaces, (laughs) um, and definitely wears a lot of different colors, isn't necessarily, like, a gothy black person, isn't necessarily, um, like, a very, like, they have different, like, washes of denim. Mm. Uh-huh. Like the whisker, like the yeah. whisker wash. Mm-hmm. Which the, is or the acid. Yeah. And they have that, that like kind of style that's really popular right now um, where it's like the high-waisted jean but they're like cut off at the ankle for some god-awful reason. Um, she has a lot of those and a lot of platform sneakers. What's her corporate job? Like, yeah. is it She's out? a designer. Oh, designer. She is yeah, designer. she's like a designer but like for, you know, like Providence or something. <laughs> <laughs> like for you know a healthcare company. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like her name is like Dana. Yes. This, this is, is a Dana. Dana. This this Shehalem Shehalem in Enox 2016 <laughs> estate grown <laughs> is definitely a Dana. Yes. And then and I have a good friend named Dana, and this is no beef on her because I love Dana to death. Nice. Um. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on this. Chardonnay journey with us. Chardonnay. And you know what? We really didn't get that into French Chardonnay, so I kind of feel like there needs to be a part du at some point down the road. I don't think that's going to be our next episode, but I think that we need to explore old world Chardonnay a little bit more. I agree. And um, we are kind of in the, the, the crux. Oh, speaking of France. <laughs> We're in the crux of summer right now. Yeah. So... It's, it's becoming a little bit more difficult to drink uh, red wines when it gets this hot out. Mm-hmm. Although, what we're finding is that there's quite a bit of reds that um, were uh, bottled and made with being drunk in this season in mind. Oh, yeah? That sentence was terrible. But you get what I'm saying. You know what? <laughs> Syntax, whatever. So, it's- I would also maybe think it might be fun to... You know, summer, summer reds for next podcast. What do you, summer reds? What do you, yeah. What do you think? Let's find those summer reds. Let's figure them out. Because I, you know what? In in the beginning of time. In the beginning of time with Adrian <laughs> in 1988. Um, I, in addition to being an ABCer, I was always a red liner. So mm. like drinking all these whites has really opened up my mind. But I'm also missing my reds. And you know what? Reds are, I mean, I'm not going to say this is an exact figure, but there's probably more red varietals than are white. Well, let's figure that out. We're going to fact check that for our next episode. How many varietals (laughs) of red versus white? I think you're right, though. So a lot to explore. Some of them are obviously not in it for summer at all. (coughs) Barbera. But. Oh, but that's my favorite. (laughs) I, I know. They're so good. Um, so yeah, join us next week when we explore Summer Reds. Oh, and also look out for our bonus episode. Chardonnay Part Duh. Duh. Goodbye. Goodbye.